You can correct me if I'm wrong. Mitt was the guy that Carl Hess uh, yelled at and called an Egyptian or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mitt uh, got the got the Carl Hess tweet, the Car- Carl Hess treatment of um, if you think you can do a better job, then get your Egyptian ass out here. And Egyptian was, ass. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that was the uh, yeah, that was the final straw for Carl in the ACC. Right. Welcome to an ACC podcast, and we have sports news. It's real. It's a real thing that happened. Um, Connor O'Neill from the Winston-Salem Journal. He was on with us, gosh, about a month ago now, a little bit over a month ago. I know time is all relative now, but Wake Forest has a new basketball coach, and that was, huh. I was, you know, okay. We, I guess we should start at the beginning a little bit because they bought, well, they, they, they announced they were going to fire Danny mm-hmm. last week, Danny Manning. Um, do we know where they got um, the money to, because you, you and I talked a lot about that in terms of where they were going to come up with that kind of money. Yeah. So um, last week on Saturday when they, when they made the announcement, uh <sighs> Almost immediately after word came that they were firing Danny, uh, I started hearing thing the the phrase for cause, and that was not something I expected. Uh, that was, I would say, probably the biggest surprise about the entire situation that played out last weekend. Um, I guess it shouldn't have been, but it, it they here we are. Um, so, so I've heard, and, and we can go to the to the tweet from Jeff Goodman yesterday um, as soon as you want. But I'd heard that they were paying a fraction of it of the of the initial buyout. Um, I've heard that there could be some stipulations in there that have to do with APR and player retention, and that is. Those are not things that I've ever heard of for being part of a four cause firing. I mean, I, I've usually, you know, I feel like the only three reasons you can find for a four cause firing in college athletics are player abuse, sexual misconduct, or NCAA violations. And I've, I've heard plenty about the way Danny ran the program at Wake. I've never heard anything about either of those three things, not even, not even close to whispers or rumors. Yeah, I mean, I I know just even from Danny's own mouth, I've heard him say he can be tough on the guys. But like you said, I've never heard anything, you know, along the lines of abuse or anything like that. Just that he, you know, he's always talked about how he demands a lot in practice. And, you know, that makes sense considering his own background. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you don't play four years under Larry Brown and come away as some cuddly, you know, Hey, I'm going to take it easy on my players all the time type of coach. Well, and I've said this a lot about Danny, too. I think sometimes when players get into coaching, some of them do have this natural acumen for the game. And and, and I think Danny does have some of that. But some of them, I think they've played at such a high level. It's hard for them to demand anything less from their players, even if their players can't give them that. Yeah. And, you know, I've I've formulated thoughts on this over the last three years since I've been close and you know, I, I think part of the problem is you you have coaches that, that were all stars. I mean, Danny, it, 
almost scored 3,000 points at Kansas. Randolph scored 2,200-some points at Wake. Uh, even Rex Walters and Steve Woodbury this past year, they were both 1,000-point scorers at Kansas. I mean, this this coaching staff between them had like 8,000 career points scored <laughs> between four guys in, in college. And it's not like they were playing uh, at a low major and filling it up. They're playing at Wake Forest in Kansas. So, yeah. so these guys, I mean, they – they played the game at a high level and you can sell that in recruiting and it does help, but it also, I think hinders that, you know, there, there are things that they were able to do as players that they're just not going to be able to get the, even the, even the above average players in today's games understand. I mean, it's, there's just something that, that doesn't translate between having a star player become a coach and that coach being able to reach you know, and, and understand the limitations of the players that he has. Yeah. And by the way, go back and watch Danny against NC state in the NCAA tournament against Duke. Like Danny was ridiculous. I was doing some of that for when I was doing my triangle time hops for a WRL sportsfan.com, you know, this day in history or whatever. And I was just like, God, he was really good. I mean, you know, he's really good, but watching him play, you're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think it was what was it in the national championship game it was like thirty one and twenty two or something like that. I mean, it was you know, absurd. Yeah, he's one of the best college basketball players of all time, and that will yeah. never be taken away from him. Yeah, and it's it, it, it. I, I, what was the final shoe then? Do you think was it was it Shondi Brown transferring? Because that's the only thing I could think of. Because I was like, okay, if they have cause, quote unquote, right? Like yeah. they would have had it a month ago. Yeah, so I think the, I think there's something to be said for for how the pandemic uh, affected the timeline. I think that you can still make your player retention uh, for cause firing if that's. You know, everything is everything is um, reliant on that being the actual four cause that we know of. But you, you can make that case without anybody transferring this year, really. I mean, they, they haven't been able to keep players in the program for the last five years, all every year that they've been there. Um, you know, it started almost immediately before Danny even coached a game with Bazdelic's players all leaving. And that's going to happen. But but it just continued to snowball throughout Danny's tenure. Um, you know, I, I struggle to, to put it all on Sean D. Um, I know that the coaching staff was really stunned by that. Um, they, they had felt like, um, Sharon Wright Jr. And Mike Wynn were going to be the only two guys that entered the portal. And you could kind of see the writing on the wall for those, um, by, by really mid January to late January. Um, so the Sean D one was, was really probably a backbreaker. And if there was one significant thing for player retention, maybe that was it. But I just, I, I struggle to say it was all on Sean D. It, you know, I, I think it's more of a buildup over time. And then the, the pandemic allows you to, to finally make them. Yeah. I, I could sort of see that. And I guess, I mean, I know we, we were talking about, you know, one of Wake's boosters being, a hotel guy and, and maybe he would be taking a hit right now, but I guess if they're not going to pay the full buyout also, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter as much. And I guess, do, do you think they just kind of hope to keep Danny tied up in litigation and, and hope it goes away? I do. Yeah. I, that, that's, that's what I was getting at with my tweets yesterday. Um, I, I think, 
I think it's not a Herm Edwards, you play to win the game situation. I think it's a drag this out for a year or two situation, or maybe even, maybe even just a few months um, to, to avoid paying the full lump sum all up front as you know, if you're fired for call, if you're fired, you, (laughs) you deserve all of that up front. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that this is a, this is a tactic. This is a ploy. Um, it might be a little, um, unsavory if that's, if that's probably the best way to put it. Uh, but, but it, it allows Wake Forest to get out from under the cloud that they've been under and hire Steve Forbes and get the program at least moving in the right direction, they think. And, um, if you're, if you're having to, to pay your coach the reported 15 million all up front. I'm not sure how much of money is left for hiring a new basketball coach. Yeah. And I noticed um, in the picture of the zoom that you sent out that they were on with Steve Forbes, obviously it's noteworthy that um, you got Tim Duncan on there rocking, I guess like a Killmonger haircut. Yeah. He, um, uh, he had something like that when he came for the Georgia tech game during the season. Um, and you know, I, I've I've never had the chance to speak with Tim in person, so I don't really know much about him other than what I've been told. But yeah, um, he's he's kind of strikes me as a pretty introverted and quiet and keeps to himself guy. And I mean, I don't think that's any secret from from people watching him for twenty years in the NBA and four at Wake. But but yeah, that's a little bit of an interesting haircut he's got there. Yeah, I would not have. I was I was a little surprised to see it for sure. And I saw, yeah, he and Chris Paul being on there obviously holds significance and we can get to that, but I also see Mitt Shaw's on there. And so that made me think, okay, well maybe Mitt had a few uh, extra bucks laying around that he found in the couch cushions. Um, Yeah. And I I think I, I think I saw a tweet from um, either, either really early this morning or really late last night. Uh, I think the timestamp was probably around three or 4 a.m. Uh, for Steve Forbes saying that either either his first meal or his first dinner as Wake Forest's coach was from putters and the treat was was Mitt. So, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, Mitt, Mitt didn't lose all of his money with, with the pandemic and being a hotel mogul. But, but yeah, um, it was, was kind of interesting to file that away that, that Mitt had treated Coach Forbes for his first meal. By the way, for those of you um, who maybe think that name sounds vaguely familiar, from what I understand, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mitt was the guy that Carl Hess uh, yelled at and called an Egyptian or something. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, Mitt uh, got the got the Carl Hess tweet, the Car- Carl Hess treatment of um, if you think you can do a better job, then get your Egyptian ass out here. And Egyptian was, ass, yes, yeah, and uh, that was the. Uh, yeah, that was the final straw for Carl in the ACC, right? Yes, it was. He had, it, well, he yeah. had come back and he was trying to be, he, he was allegedly trying to be on his best behavior. And then he dropped that one and it was just like, okay, you're more of a headache than we have the, the time or energy to deal with. Yeah. And it's, it was, I had forgotten that he had, I had completely somehow forgotten about that. And then I was, uh, 
I was actually texting with Josh Graham from uh, WSJS out there in the triad, and he reminded me that I was like, wait, is that the same guy? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's that's the guy. Yeah, and there, there's has. a, I'm, I'm obligated to submit the theory uh, that, that I've kind of talked over with Brett Strelo a few times that like in the, in the previous month or so before that happened, was the uh, Rick Patino was allegedly running up the score on somebody. And he said that, well, what do you want me to do? I've got four white guys and an Egyptian out there referring to oh, yeah. um, the, the big center that he had that I can't Anas, Anas, Anas Mahmoud. Anas Mahmoud. Right? Yep. Yep. That's yeah. it. Um, so Brett and I have always had this theory that like the, the, the Egyptian term is not even anywhere close to Carl's mind. If, he doesn't hear Rick Pitino say something about an Osman awesome mood being an Egyptian because, because oh, Mitt is Mitt. I'm 98% sure is not Egyptian. I was going to say he, do, I, I don't, I'm not an expert on people's ethnicities, but he, and nationality, but yeah. he does, he does not appear to be an Egyptian. No, <laughs> he, he does not. Um, oh man yeah it's great maybe so maybe like by proxy rick patino should get a wolfpack unlimited award i i think uh i think that's in the cards you know um this will be coming uh along with uh whatever debbie comes up with for the opposite of the wolfpack unlimited award which the first one will be in, awarded to carl hess yes that's beautiful um <laughs> Oh, but I do think it's interesting too in that Zoom that you see that you see Tim Duncan and Chris Paul on it at all, and you yeah. know it's interesting that they're incorporating um, that they incorporated those guys into the hiring process. Did you get a sense of like what kind of role that they had? I I didn't. Um, I I heard uh, before before Mitt's tweet of the picture. I had heard that Tim and Chris were on Zoom calls with at least two candidates. So that wasn't just a, you know, welcome Steve Forbes to Wake Forest Zoom and, and meet with Tim and Chris. That was a, we want you in on the interview and we want you to to make an impression for us. Um, it's not as surprising with Chris because Chris has given the university $2.5 million to build a, a locker room for the players. Um, you know, Chris, Chris is pretty strongly tied to Wake uh, that probably goes into him being a Winston-Salem kid, but it also probably goes into, you know, Chris is, Chris is pretty visible. You, you turn on the TV and watch an hour of uh, ESPN or something, and you're bound to see a State Farm commercial with Chris in it. Tim is the one that it's, you know, that's a, that's a boon for them to get Tim on a pod, on a, not a podcast, on a, on an interview with a potential coach and, get him selling the coach on Wake Forest if that's actually what he was doing there. Um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a sign of, of John Curry and, and the staff that he's bringing in, reaching out and establishing relationships that kind of had been fractured uh, in the past decade or two. Yeah, and, and it, I don't think Tim had been back in, until the reunion of the 95 team. I don't think Tim had been back in – a while, right? Yeah. I, I understand it as Tim only come like, you know, Tim Duncan appearances at Wake Forest are kind of like a shooting star. It, it happens like once every three to six years. Um, he's, he's very private. He's very personal. And 
I've also heard he he still has had a problem with how Dave Odom was treated at the end of his tenure. And, yeah. you know, you, you, you can't blame him. Um, you know, Dave Odom was his guy. Dave Odom went down to the, down to the Virgin islands to find him and talk to his mom and watch him play basketball that one afternoon, the, the fateful afternoon and um, the rest is history. So when, when Dave was kind of unceremoniously waved goodbye to when he went to South Carolina. Uh, I think that, I think that still sits pretty poorly in Tim's mouth. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, so we've gone this long without even talking about Steve Forbes <laughs> and not, and not, and I'm always like, not that Steve Forbes. Cause I'm sure we'll be doing that for a while. Um, what's what is he like what what do you think went into hiring him just give us tell us who steve forbes is for those who don't know and i know some of the hipsters amongst us might like to pretend that we're east tennessee state basketball experts however i ranked them at one point this year actually i mean they were 30 and 4 like and and i think they they had a pretty comfortable win over lsu and one of their losses was to to kansas right or was it kansas or kentucky uh, it was one of those. I feel like I'm trying to. I want to say it was Kansas because I want to say yesterday when I was on the Ken Palm page, I made note of, you know, the the previous staff had all these Kansas ties and. It was Kansas, the, yeah, by twelve yeah. at Kansas, which is you know no shame in that. Yeah, and I think you know I've, I I would have to go back and watch it to really be able to write this or or watch a or or see some see some stories on the game, but I think they took them down to the wire or something, but. But anyway, to your to your question, um, the the first thing that comes off about him, and this I think was a requirement in the search, is he is full of energy. He is full of life, and it only takes the the forty seven second video that everybody has probably seen by now with him spiking the face mask and yelling into the camera, "Let's go, let's get this done." Um, Wake needed that so badly, and and needs it. It's not like one day in a Twitter video is going to give them life for the entire tenure. They need it. And, you know, that's where I, I think I said the last time I was on on with you, Danny, Danny's robotic nature and just it, it came off so aloof. And you, you needed you needed the inverse of that in a lot of ways. And I think they've gotten that. I think that they've got a coach who's going to come in and um, I got the brief chance to talk to Steve for about 15 to 20 minutes yesterday, along with Les. And, you know, he, he made the point that this, this program has been down. They, they haven't had a lot of reason to be up for the last 10 years. And when he took over at East Tennessee state, he mentioned that, you know, they had a great run in the nineties. They'd been to nine NCAA tournaments. They, they had some tradition with, um, Mr. Mr. Jennings, who I who I learned all about yesterday, like five foot seven point guard from the '90s, who made it, he made his way into the pros. Um, but they had been down, and and he said, you know, we just we needed to bring some life into the program, and we did that. And you know, you, you obviously you bring a a certain brand of life if you're able to go thirty and four and and one thirty and forty three over five years. That's gonna that's gonna bring some life on its own, but more than that, you need some demonstrative actions on the sideline. You need to go nuts a few times. You need to get passionate in some press conferences if you have a tough loss or a big win. I mean, 
there are a lot of ways to skin a cat and there are a lot of ways to be a winning basketball coach. It, it can work if you're stoic, if you win, um, if you lose, it's, it's going to be magnified. And I think that's kind of what happened to Danny. And I think that's definitely, I mean, Steve Forbes is not going to sit up on the podium and, and repeat the same thing over and over again. He's, he seems like the guy that's, that's going to get passionate and show some fire and, this program needs fire in, in the worst way. And that I, I think that's, that's the first thing that strikes me about the hire. What kind of style of play um, should we expect to see? Well, I think uh, you might not hear the phrase, we're going to hang our hats on defense, but I think the defense is going to be a heck of a lot better. Uh, it'd be hard not to be better. Yeah, I was going to say, nowhere to go but up. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I think I think the defense is going to be the, the first area that you see improvement. Um, my, my, I, I get, he's a, he's a friend, he's a coworker. He, we are owned by the same uh, management company um, under Lee Enterprises now, but Jeff Mills of the News and Record um, covers UNCG and does a great job with it. And he's, you know, by way of covering UNCG, he's crossed paths with Steve Forbes a lot, uh, with those two teams being kind of the, kind of the stay staying power programs in the, in the SOCON along with Wofford under Mike Young and, um, others. But so Jeff, Jeff sent me a, a quote from Steve Forbes, uh, out at the SOCON tournament this past March that was you recruit offense, you teach defense. And I think that's something that, that really, you know, might, might give you a peek into the, the psyche and the, what Steve Forbes wants to do. He wants to recruit natural scorers. And, you know, that's, that's a pretty confident thing to say that you can coach um, 18, 19, 20 year olds to be good defensive players, but, it's good to have confidence, um, especially when you can back it up with with a track record. It's interesting to me to look at their tempo, and it looks like they were, you know, among they were pretty high tempo his first couple of years, and it slowed down. I mean, they're not Virginia level tempo, but uh, two eighty one in possessions, uh, adjusted possessions per game on Ken Palm. Um, do you think that we'll see? a slower pace than what we've seen from Wake? I mean, I know Wake was generally a pretty up-tempo team under Danny. Yeah, I think I think you can probably count on seeing a slower pace. Um, you know, the the two-point percentage offensively is is something to sink your teeth into. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that one. I mean, you know, basketball these days is three-pointers and layups, and uh, that's – that's the kind of coach that Steve Forbes has been. And that's the kind of coach that it kind of, it takes to win unless you have, a, you know, an LSU type, let's score a hundred points every game and, and just win. But it's, yeah. it's interesting to see a team force turnovers at the clips at the clip that they do and still rank there in turnover in, in tempo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll be honest. I haven't had much of a chance to, to dig into the data behind his, his teams. Um, I do know that I've heard from one of the players that they're fired up because he wants them to shoot threes. He's, he, um, 
you know, the numbers might not quite reflect it as I'm, as I'm looking at him here, but he wants three point shooters out on the wing. Um, that's, that's a good thing. That's, you know, you can make the argument that in the last 10 years, Wake has probably had no more than five legitimate three point threats that the best thing they do on the court is shoot threes. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that. That's probably true. The Greek Deke is the only one I can think of off the Greek top of Deke, my head. Childress, um, Mitchell Wilbekin. Um, you know, then you get back into the Bizdelic years and and probably Chase Fisher, but he had a lot more success at BYU than he ever had at at Wake. Yep. So, yeah, it, you know, Wake Wake needs to be the type of team that recruits the the smart kids. Um, and you know, for, for lack of a better way to say it, you know, don't get enamored with all of the five stars and, and try to bring in some one and dones, try to bring in the kids that are going to be three and four year players. Yeah. And and that's, that kind of gets me to what I wanted to ask you because I've been asked this some, and I don't know that I have a great answer to it. it Wake is obviously a different program than the other three in North Carolina, but what what do you, where do you think they fit in? Like, what is their ceiling, and what what do you think that they can reasonably expect from Forbes? Like, what can they reasonably expect to build? And like, what is Wake Forest basketball? You know what I mean? I, I, that's a weird question to ask, but I realized when when I got asked it that I didn't have a great answer to it. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's it's worth. Um, pondering, it's worth asking. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to seem like a cop out. I think you need to see what John Curry wants to remake the the athletic department as. I mean, you know, does he does he want it to return to the way it was when Dave Odom was the coach, and you're you're hunting for for the staying power for the back-to-back ACC championships. I don't think anybody would have a problem with winning back-to-back ACC championships. Um, I think Wake has more ACC tournament wins in those two years than they've had since then. Um, but, you know, it's it's always going to be difficult. I, I was telling somebody this yesterday. Um Mark Gottfried, obviously, there were some flaws to, to Mark, but I always loved his spiel of, yeah, it's a tough neighborhood. Yeah, Duke and Carolina are down the road, but, you know, we're pretty good too. And we're going we're gonna to start out at 0-0 zero, zero, and we're going to play them for 40 minutes. And, you know, who cares if, if they've got all these guys that, you know, get the publicity and we don't, you know. So, so I kind of, I, I, I've always liked that aspect of, yeah, if you're going to play in the same state, if you're going to be an hour or hour and a half away from two of the most historic programs in the history of college basketball, maybe you do need to take on a little bit of the villain role and a little bit of the upstart, you know, nobody pays attention to us and we're going to come out here and crash the party type role. And I think that can work. I think that you know, that's, that's never really been Wake's MO. They've always been everybody's second favorite team. So maybe it's time to stop being the second favorite and be the, be the first hated, be the, you know, little, little party crasher down there. Um, and I'm curious to see if, 
if they take it in that direction or if they take it in another one. Yeah, it's it's weird because somebody was like, when you think of Wake, what do you think of? And I was like, you know, I think of a program that can get talented guys. And, you know, you think of Tim Duncan, you think of Chris Paul, you think of a team that can crash the party at times. You know, I mean, that's what Wake has done in the past. And you think yeah. of a team that like is is perennially at least in the NCAA tournament conversation. But it's weird because they haven't been to a Final Four since 1964, and they even some of their best teams just have not had NCAA tournament success. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... it's yeah, I just, I'm, I'm so curious what it's going to look like. Um, you know, they, they can get those type of players... Um, yeah, I just I I, I kind of relish the idea of of Wake, you know, casting aside the Wake way and um, you know not really being focused on uh, doing things the right way and and doing things the winning way. Um, those can go hand in hand, but sometimes you might have to do one before you can do the other. No, and I, I like what you said. I like the idea of program building because it, it's hard. I mean, it, Kevin Keats has has improved NC State's recruiting, and and I think that I think you know. But then you look at what what's happened to them with uh, Josh Hall deciding to go pro instead of going to school, and it's the second year in a row they've had a high profile recruit do that, and it's just hard. It's hard to recruit at such a high level when two of your neighbors in your backyard are essentially doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's um you know, there's there's something different to be said for for Wake to NC State. I mean, NC State literally has them in the backyard. Uh, Wake it's kind of like they're a couple neighborhoods over. But yeah. same same community, you know, like a couple streets over, that kind of thing. Um but there are similarities to Wake and State and and they have similar plights uh to deal with to deal with the big, um, the big monsters down there. It's tough because it, you can try the program building way. And, you know, you point to, for instance, like a Virginia and I mean, they get talent sometimes too, but they also just build a program the way they want to build it. And, and with, with the players that fit what they want to do, not necessarily trying to get the best and most talented guys. And um, it's hard because you can try that route, but if you don't win, you know, yeah. fan, fans are going to start clamoring for the talent, too. So it's, you know, it's a double edged sword, I guess. Yeah, you, you've got to have some patience. I mean, one of the one of the most fun things I've seen is I think Tony Bennett was 12 and 20 in the ACC in his first two years. Yeah. Um, and, and since then, I don't. I, maybe he's lost 20 games in the ACC in the eight or nine years since then. Maybe, but, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's you know, it takes patience. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Probably a, a pretty long leash with Steve Forbes. He's going to be able to build the program in in his image with John Curry's guidance. Yeah, he. Um, you mentioned the video, and if you haven't seen it, you should go to Connor's timeline or, or just. It, it'll probably come up pretty quickly if you search yeah. Steve Forbes, and somebody already made a Bane parody video of it. Um. <laughs> See, I saw I saw a picture of um, Steve Forbes, and then on on under it was an immediate picture of of Bane and. I cannot see the video without thinking in the Bane voice. And when that movie came out, I did the Bane voice to all my friends all the time. So I, I 
it's just it's uh that video has quickly turned into a parody in my mind yeah well i i mean and not look not to nitpick because you know there was only a couple people in that gym but and i love the enthusiasm steve but you maybe <laughs> need to keep the mask on if you're gonna wear it just <laughs> just just throwing that out yeah I mean, yeah um <laughs> he's an intense guy i mean that you know that's even even just looking through an Associated Press photo search for Steve Forbes, he's an intense dude. And if you want to make a first impression and and you're you're trying to be accepted as quickly as you can by a fan base that's been as beaten down as this one has, uh, that there there are certainly worse ways to go about it than that video. Do you get the sense that it's already had, you know, you, you hear that name and, and if you're not, you know, super into college basketball, you go, I guess you go, who? But um, I think initially when I heard that, I hadn't seen a lot in terms of like pointing me in that direction until literally the day that it happened. And I was kind of thinking, huh, interesting. And I didn't necessarily expect to see some of the enthusiasm that I did from Wake fans. Did, is that the sense that you're getting to? Yeah, I think some of it has to do with the last two hires being so uninspired. Um, but yeah, they they did their research. They knew the one thirty and forty three record in five years. Um, they they were pretty well versed in Steve Forbes, and they pay a lot of attention to Ken Palm. Um, at least most of them that that I pay attention to on Twitter, I guess is the best way to phrase it. But yeah, they, they had their, their antenna up uh, for, for Steve Forbes. And I think the other part of it is the, there were it's a lot of misinformation and I'm responsible for part of it uh, thrown out there throughout the coaching search. And some of the names that were thrown out there, uh, Tommy Amaker and Chris Collins. And those were you, weird to me. You, you I didn't understand them, that. If, if you get them to think that that's going to be the guy and then you pull the Steve Forbes off, I think it, I think the perception looks a lot better. Uh, yeah. and, and it, it didn't have to be, but you're just, you're kind of, uh, cementing the, the perception and, and what the reaction is going to be. Was this like a well, a way more better orchestrated, um, like version of the, uh, um, Oh my God! Why is his name escaping me right now? Uh, what's the What's the former Rutgers guy, Greg Schiano? Oh, yeah, yeah, at Tennessee for for Curry there, like a way better orchestrated version of that, of like floating some other names and like, oh, what, huh? And yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know you saw um, Ovius's tweet from of like, you know, turns out orchestrating a coaching search is a lot better when you don't have Phil Fulmer playing Game of Thrones um, while you're <laughs> while you're trying to find a coach. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, um, I think that experience played a, a large factor in how John Curry handled the, you know, the entire search. And I don't blame him. Um, you know, it's not like Jim Grobe is at Wake Forest trying to undermine his every move, but you know, that, that clearly uh, to me has, has played an impact in the kind of athletic director John Curry's going to be for the rest of his career. Do you know who else they interviewed? 
Yeah, the the initial pool of six that I heard was Forbes, um, Wes Miller, Ryan Odom, Tommy Amaker, Pat Kelsey, and Thad Mata. Oh, and I hadn't even I thought heard, of Thad for some reason. Yeah, Thad. Um, you know, he's so so. How about this? Um, Steve Forbes is three years older than Thad Mata. Really? Thad Mata is only fifty-two years old. He is? I had he no stepped, idea. He, he stepped away from Ohio State when he was 49. What? Yeah. He um, He's like the anti-Leonard Hamilton. No offense to Thad. He just no, looks. No. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, he had, so I did all this research. Uh, <laughs> he had a botched back surgery that left him with drop foot syndrome uh, like 10 or 12 years ago. And that was oh one God. of the main things that Nicole Auerbach wrote about when he stepped down at Ohio State. And I mean, I, yeah, I've, I've been telling a couple of people in the last few days that, yeah, I mean, if if I had a back surgery and it left me with a drop foot syndrome, then, yeah, maybe I would look 20 years older than I am now. True. Yeah. Uh, John Beeline was a name I remember hearing floated early and maybe some of that was just speculation knowing he was on the market but when I heard how old he was I was kind of like I don't know if that's the move for Wake yeah I thought um, honestly I thought he would have been the closest thing they could have gotten to a home run hire I didn't think any candidate realistically checked every single box going down the line and plus, you know, bonus boxes that you don't even take into account. I, I didn't think there was that candidate. And I think Steve Forbes checks a lot not to not to, you know, move move past already and start talking about his flaws. I think that, you know, the biggest thing to overcome with Steve Forbes is he was fired at Tennessee amid a NCAA investigation in which he misled officials. Um, now, that was 10 years ago. That was the the NCAA violations of 10 years ago are not what we think of when we think of NCAA violations today when you've got Dennis Smith having $40,000 dropped off (laughs) his house or whatever. And we care about those things way less now, I think, just in general. And 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 that's a good thing. Who who cares about whether Aaron Kraft really went to a barbecue at Bruce Pearl's house and whether Bruce Pearl was there or not? That was the, 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 that was the crux of the issue. Um, but to get back to it, yeah, I don't think there was a home run hire. I think Steve Forbes had one of one of the least amounts of concern, if you will, to to be hesitant about his hiring. But I, I think John Beeline would have been great. I think the only red flag would have been his age and how how long he wanted to do it. And um, I I don't. I don't think there was any interest that got past, you know, would you be interested? Would you, would you not be interested? That kind of thing. Yeah. And Beeline um, probably would have been a little pricey for Wake too. Um, And that, that probably would have played into it, but yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I'm, I'm excited to see what is going to happen. I think, like you said, I think it's an inspired hire because it's one that I think looks towards the future um, and development and, and program building and all of that in a way that maybe some of these others didn't, I guess you just, you just don't know for sure though, if they interviewed like Wes or, or Ryan or anything like that. I mean, I would imagine they interviewed at least one of them. 
I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those, those two were in the initial six. Um, and they interviewed really, all six. Yeah. Yeah. All oh, six. Oh, okay, got, got it. Yeah. Th- those were all six initial interviews. Um, and then they kind of worked from there. And um, the, the source I had said uh, Forbes and Wes Miller were the two finalists and they went with. Forbes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I don't know. It's a weird, you and I have talked about the West thing before um, where I don't know if that's the move for Wes, but we'll see. You know, I think maybe Wes would be better served to uh, move up into one of the higher tier G5 type conferences and see what he can do there before. I do too. Um, yeah. You know, throughout this process, I kind of learned a little more and, you know, come to come to understand that Wes has a lot of loyalty to UNCG and to the way he was given room to grow and room to improve as a coach. Uh, Cause his, you know, we've talked about his first four years there, there was kind of no direction to the program and he was kind of, he was trying to run the, the Carolina system that he knew with players that wouldn't fit that system and didn't have the talent to make it work. Right. And he reinvented himself. He reinvented his style. And um, I mean, you look at it, he's averaged 26 wins over the last four years in a conference that it kind of gets the respect it deserves, but not, not as yeah. much as I think it should. I mean, the right. SoCon is, you know, the SoCon's now supplied the ACC with its last two new coaches. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a pretty darn good league for, for mid-major basketball. And, you know, I, I think you don't, you don't have to look too far down the road to see that um, the next two to kind of be taken away from the SOCON are going to be Wes and Bob Ritchie, who took over at Furman and has been wildly successful in a short period of time. Yeah, Furman fans were very busy in my mentions this year trying to get me to put them in the top 25. Um, hmm. <laughs> I, I think was, he's got. I think he's got something like seventy some wins in his first three years. He was on my initial list of ten that that I thought Wake would be considering. So, yeah, they. Um, it, it was it was just funny because I was just like, "What?" Like, and I looked at their schedule <laughs> and I was like, "Guys, like, I, I mean, come on." But yeah. um, eventually, they fell out of that conversation. Is is? Do you think that uh, Steve's going to have any pregame ritual, a la Mike Young, in terms of like popcorn eating? Or man, I don't know. Uh, I I have to confess, I don't really know that much about his rituals or or that kind of thing. Um, I'm curious to get to know more about him. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, well, I don't have a whole lot else except I did see on your timeline last night that. Um, and this was eerie to me because you said prayers up for your neighbor getting Papa John's at nine fifty seven. <laughs> well, this 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 quarantine has like I think broken my husband, and he, I was like I feel like Connor is seeing my home right now because that's exactly what he did. He ordered he had to have a Papadia, oh, which man. I feel like it's a cry for help, and I'm not sure what to do with this. Like, I just was very concerned. He did also get like the cinnamon things that they have, which were very good. I will give him that. Cause you know, more than anything, the only good Papa John's I've ever had is after Carolina football games. When they bring it up to the press box, I just give me Domino's, give me pizza hut, give me any kind of local chain. I would, 
I would almost rather eat cardboard than uh, Papa John's. <laughs> and but, the papadilla is gross, by the way, because he he insisted that I try it if I was going to slander it, and I think it's yeah. disgusting. It's disgusting. that's like the sandwich pizza thing. Yeah, it's like a quesadilla and a pizza or something. <sighs> yeah, uh, count me out. So I feel very concerned, but yeah, I, I felt like you were seeing into my house when, when I saw that tweet, and I was like, "Oh, it's it's ugh. quarantine is doing weird things to us all." So, um, all right, Connor. Well, let me get you out of here. This was great, and thanks for giving us what you know about yeah about uh Steve Forbes. I, I keep pleasure. saying it to myself in Steve in Steve Holt vo- voice. Steve Holt. Steve <laughs> Forbes. Yeah. Um, which. I'm sure I will not stop doing for at least his first two years. Um, And it will only be funny to me, but that's the best kind of ACC media joke that there is. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tell everybody where they can find you because everybody should be following you and following your work. Yeah. It's uh, journalnow.com. There's the Winston Salem journals website. So that we're not confused with the wall street journal and on Twitter at, Connor with one N and O'Neill with two L's, uh, WSJ. And, and that's me. Awesome. All right, Connor. Well, thanks so much. And until next week, everybody. Cast is called farts. Yeah. Fart pole jack. Yeah. Who do you do your podcast? Po- is called light bulb. Who do you, who do you do your podcast with? He's getting, he's almost as Yeah, you, are you ready to say it to him? Not yet. He okay. Get down here first. Yep, he's got to get down here first. And then you're going to say it to him? Mm-hmm. And what are you going to say? I'm going to say, I'm so disappointed because you already did quesadilla. Oh, papadilla. Papadilla. There you go. Good job. Thanks. I'll I'll be sure to download and listen and subscribe to your to your fart podcast later. Okay. Okay. The lemon in the zed my project. What? And I'm going to do my project. Your project? Yeah. Oh, okay.